Good morning. I'm going to drop late here. Everybody have the Marmachemis of the Psukim. We're starting Paragimel today in Shaftim. <clears throat> we saw last week that the Navia told Klai Yisrael that because they're not doing the job of Hachem Tachrim and Bizrizus, and they're too busy with their vineyards and their farms, and they're getting complacent, and the Gaim is still there, which means that besides the fact that mitzvah is not being done, the chash of assimilation and the threat of rebellion and uprising is there. And because they're not doing it according to script, so to speak, it's going to be more b'derech atava, which means they're going to have to work harder, which obviously is going to make things uh, difficult and take longer. And as it takes longer, more v'chshash, the avodazar, and the other things will seep in. So Paragimel begins with the actual process of that happening and which Goyim started rebelling and which Goyim started the Shibud and which ones were around which Shvatim and what it caused. Uh, not only the Avodah which always managed to seep him as the Yitzhah was strong, there was even some level of intermarriage. As we mentioned last week, the intermarriage, if you'd ask them, wasn't Khalil intermarriage, it was Agerus, and uh, maybe it was Bidiyeved, they felt Lashem marriage, but they would see the light and they would makabal mitzvahs. It didn't really work out that way for the most part. Uh, Rus came and she joined, and that was from a nation outside of Eretz Yisrael, from Mayav. When it's done Lashem Chasnus, it could work out in a Kirov process, but over here, the Rechuk for Klai Yisrael was probably, we know for sure from the Navi, a lot more than any cure of advantage. But if you'd ask them on the ground what they were doing, that's how they would forenfer. Let's see Pasuk Aleph. Perigimel Pasuk Aleph. Ve'ila goyim asher niyach Hashem l'nasas bam es Yisrael. Es kol asher lo yodu es kol milchomus kenan. So Rashi teaches, what is this Pasuk getting at? Rashi says, l'nasas bam es Yisrael es dar ha'acher shel lo yodu es nisa milchomus kenan. They didn't see the Nisim Gluyim. This is already a few generations later. La Rosa Maisa Godol, Tu Girsiz Vehimru Uva Amdu Umalu Bamokum. As we explained last week, the less you see, so the more you have to delve into tapping into the Messiah and Bitachan Amuna, which is doable, but it's work. And those who aren't willing to work feel it less, if they feel it less, they're less motivated. That's not a taina on the fact that we don't have Nisim Gluyim because we're here to do the work. Kosh Baruch Hu could easily Kaviyachal do every Nisim. He wants to do every moment of the day. He dafka doesn't in order that there be a balance of Bechira and that there be an Avedah involved in attaining the Bitochan and Amuna. Uh, Chaskel was in Rodden when they had the famous Dibuk. So the Dibuk was a stubborn one. It was one of the last real ones recorded. I think uh, they asked Abchayim about a couple of scares recently, and 
He said the Maseri is the last one they had was the time of the Chavetz Chaim because he's the last one of the Madrega to organize that it be uh, gotten out of the body and we're not in the Madrega and therefore they're not going to come. Interesting, one less thing to worry about. So the last known one was the time of the Chavetz Chaim, but it was famous and it was told over by an eyewitness, one of the Rashivas in Tervadas was a Talmud then. He said, tell it over on Perm. And uh, Rabbi Hanum was, was around, Rabbi Chasko was around, and he's the only one who didn't go. If in the town was running, how often do you get to hear comments from the other world? And the D-book uh, was not being that nice about it all the time, but D-books are like that. They will say the truth, and they'll start screaming and yelling and cursing, and then it goes back and forth. And they were interested in hearing what the Dibik had to say, and he said all sorts of things about how they hold the Chavetz Chaim in Shamayim, like uh, Madrega Vatana, and all sorts of other things. Everybody's running to hear how often do you get to speak to somebody from the other world. And they asked Chasko, why don't you come? He said, my whole life I've been working on Bitochan and Amuna to understand it and to internalize it. I don't need this crutch, and I don't want this crutch. Abchatzko, that's an interesting comment. Abchatzko was, for the Bali Musa, everybody focused on various things. His focus is B'tachon Amuna, which is pretty central, and he was trying to drive home the point to himself and to the others listening that if you rely on seeing something and tricks and uh, all sorts of things that will motivate you momentarily, but it's not internalized, then as soon as you don't have it, you can start slipping. That's not obviously a critique. So why do we have Nisim Gluyim by Tzitzit Shrayim? That was the one-time thing to let Christ on the world know that a Kosh Baruch can create the world and he's still in control and he can overturn the mighty empires and he can do whatever he wants. But as we explained in previous weeks, it's a zilzul to have to show that every moment to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and it takes away from our Avodah. That's not the Avodah. Kosh Baruch Hu make everything easier. You don't need Zeus, Apecha, Techa, either. That's also Kuch there, but you can grow from it. So everything we have, you can have a Kasha, but Hashem is HaKal Yocha, why doesn't He give it to us? The answer is, if it was good for us to get it immediately, the instant gratification, we would. And if it isn't, that's part of the Avodah and the growth. So, here, they lowered their own madrega, and now they have to work harder. And Rashi says, these nations are now sent to show the people what they didn't see in terms of the original nations and their power. And they're going to see it now, and they can understand what was accomplished in Tami Yeshua Benun with Denisim, and now what their avoid is, and they shouldn't let it get even harder. Rashi says, uh, let's read one more Pesach, and then we'll see the Rashi and Beis. Rak Laman Das Deris B'nei Yisrael. Two pages from now, page three. Lamda Mochama Rak Asher Lafanim Lo Yida'um. So Rashi says, continuation from the thought of the first Pesach, Rak Laman Das, Rak Ladavar Azel Avado Henicham, the Goyim are left, Laman Das Lizbenin Deris B'nei Yisrael Habayim Ma'achet Gerim. So they could see Who's left? It'll give an idea of who was conquered relatively easily when they were on the Madrega and they had the Nisim. And now they'll see the fall of Madrega, what the Chet is Garim, so they shouldn't let it continue and let it get even more difficult.
they should learn the lesson now. Now they have to learn the the strategy and do things more and that's our Avodah now, but that doesn't mean they should take a step further down to even have a more difficult Avodah. We don't make the challenge more difficult. We deal with the challenge that we have now, and we also set to understand and gain whatever lessons we can on why we have this challenge now, due to the fact that the Madrega was lowered, and often that's caused by the Averis and mistakes that are done. So the two Pesukim go together, Rak, Laman, Daz, Deris, B'nai Yisrael, is they should understand how mighty these nations are because they're looking at a small little fraction, in fact, similarly thereof, of the former strength of the Zionumas, and they're having a rough time. So they understand what Nisim would done then, and now they have to learn to do a B'deh HaTeva, and they shouldn't fall further. So again, Rak, Laman, Daz, Deris, B'nai Yisrael, Lamda, Mochama, Rak, Asher, Lefanim lo yidoum, Rashi says on the third page, Raka she lefanim, she'aimdin l'sharis es Hashem, the original Madrega when they were doing the right thing and the Dar Yeshua and the Dar afterwards, and they didn't have to learn these strategies, these tachsise mechama lo yidoum, Rashi says, lemechama salalu v'tachsiseem, that means the strategy of Allah, nitzuchu lehem, they didn't need it. And now they have to learn it. And now we're going to list a general list of the most formidable enemies over the next number of Prokim, and then we're going to get into the Prokim, uh, the Pratim of who it was in each Dar and each Shevet, and the Pratim of what they did to overcome that particular king or general. And we're going to see each one has a lesson in teaching us where they were holding and how it was dealt with Lafi Madrigasam. And each Shafet and each Dara had a different flavor. Was the first one more serious than the other than the second? They were all very serious, but they were the, you're gonna see a big contrast between us Neil Bankanaz and what Eo Ben Gera has to do and how he fights it and what he represents. We mentioned last week I think uh, it's not coincidental he was a lefty. That shows that it has to be done already in an unusual way, and the fact that uh, Ehud in particular, as we'll see, I'm getting ahead of myself because he's the second one, but Ehud will fight in a pretty sly way, which is not open warfare, which is not a good sign that he has to do that. And then the fact that Devera is going to be in an unusual situation where it's a lady, Isha Tzadekas Admoed and Navia, but she has to lead Kleist also. Each one's going to have its unique knech, uh, so to speak. The one that is menacing for the longest time is the first one mentioned over here. They keep coming back like a very bad penny, and that's the Plishtim. And we, we will find them throughout Shavtim and throughout the beginning of Shmuel and with Shaul and with Dovin. Chameshes, Pasagimel. Chameshes, Sarnay Plishtim. Cholakanani, Vatsidani, Vachivi, Yeshev, Har Halavonon. Mehar Baal Hermon. That's where the Hermon is today. Lavo Hamas. So we have the Plishtim, who are in Gaza, are near it. And the Canaanim and Tzidani are to the north. Tzidon is where Tzidon is, way to the north. It's part of Greater Eretz Yisrael, it was supposed to be anyway. And the Canaanim had re- regrouped up north, and we will see that in the time of Devera, when they really get strong. Vayihi, Vayihu, rather, Pasuk Dal, and Asas Bam is Yisrael, Ladas, Hayishmu, Es Mitzvah, Hashem, Asher Tziva, Savesam, Biyad, Meisha, 
And now they're going to see the results of their virus and see if they do tshuva to not let it fall further. Rashi says the beginning of the list in Gimel, and the list will continue. This is sort of like the overview of what's coming. And again, we'll see it in detail. Pasuk Hay. Uh, yes, Adal was just listing uh, that they were Lanasas by Miss Yisrael. And hey, B'nai Yisrael, Yashvu B'kerv V'Kanani, Chiti, Amari, Aprizi, Achive, Vusi, which means all seven nations were still there in some small form. So it's not only that they didn't get rid of all the Zion Umas, they didn't get rid of everybody from any of the Zion Umas, and they were all still there. Which means in each territory, we shave it they're going to have a problem. Because they were mixed in besides the battles that are coming, so here's the first mention of the intermarriage issue. It was mentioned before, and it'll be mentioned many times again. As we just mentioned in the beginning of the year. If you'd ask them, they would have many excuses why there was a Gairus, and there will be a Gairus, and maybe the Makabal Mitzvahs, and it's good for them, and we're here to be a light unto the nations, all of which didn't add up, because that's exactly why there was a Mitzvah of L'Sachai Kalnashama. And if you're doing Kirov in Klai Yisrael, and you have to do it, you have to be careful who's being sent to do it, and whether you're giving more than you're getting in collateral damage. It has to be done carefully. It has to be done, but it has to be done carefully. They had no mitzvah of cure with the Umas over here. They were told quite the opposite. And don't keep them in a Yisrael. You could send them alive somewhere else, and you can't make any treaties, and you certainly can't be friendly. And apparently that happened enough that it's mentioned in the Pasuk. It wasn't Raiv, but Yichus ben Hussein was happening somewhere. And then the seeping in of the various Avodazaras that they borrowed from their next door neighbors. Yeah. In Hay, it said there were six, only six of nations. Yeah, Gagashi left. They were smart. They went to Africa and lived either happily ever after or unhappily ever after, but that wasn't our business. They left. So um, Yeshua Benun sent his three letters, and somebody listened. And Everybody else uh, stayed around to fight with their... Uh, there was a Pusik then. The Raman brings us down that Hashem they should fight in order to be destroyed, but that's only good if they're completely destroyed and you get rid of evil and Avodah in the world. And that happened uh, for the most part, but not completely, and this is the damage. And here is the first of the arch enemies that they're going to deal with and the story of Tshuva, that's the good news, and the Shefet that will save them. We'll see in a moment in the Radak what that name comes from, Rishasayim, Lashon Resha, evil, Rishasayim is Lashon Rabim. So why two? Kushim Rishasayim, Melech Aram, Narayim. Vayavdu b'nei Yisrael es kushem rishasayim shmana shanim. And for eight years, he had enough control to force them to work, pay taxes. He had a 
Hey, hold on them. It doesn't say this sounds like it was more than the other ones. The other ones are going to take when we get to Devera with um, Melakanan. It was basically the north, Naftali and uh, Zvulun, Yisachar. Yisachar wasn't going to go fight them because Yisachar, Zvulun, Yisachar was learning, but those are the three Shvatim involved. And we're going to describe whenever it was more of a chilek. Uh, we're going to see Eglon was, Mayav is across the Yardain south. So he came into Israel and he caused a lot of damage, charged tax, it was Mashabadam, but it was Yericha in that area. So here it doesn't say a specific Shevet, which means it was worse in a way, even though it was the first one. The Yizaku ben Yisrael Hashem. Yeah, the good news is that Klai Yisrael, for the most part, was very firm, and they knew when there's a tzara, they have to do tshuva and daven, and they did just that. We met Asniel already. He was the Rashiv of Klai Yisrael, and he had already helped conquer the area of Hebron, had married the daughter of Kalev, Kalev's half-brother, and now he comes as the Shaifei to get the people together to fight back. And Chazal make it clear, as it is with most of the Shaiftim, it's his Kaya Chatera and Kedusha, Nevius is going to be by Devera. And that was why he had the respect to the people, and that was why he had the Schusim to lead the charge, so to speak. Take a look at page six at the Radak on the top. Why Kushan Rishasayim Lashan Rabbiya Kushan Rishasayim Kachia Shemoy Efshir Kirishasayim Shem Makum. His name was Kushan, and Rishasayim is the name of the place, which is a foreboding name for a city. But if you want to be a Russia, you're probably proud of it. And the Medrash says, Ma Rishasayim Al Shnei Rishayis Sher Shiu Aram Liyisrael Acha Shel Bilom Vaacha Shel Kushan. So there are various chazals here that will point to the same thing, that this is a result of Lovan's hatred to Klai Yisrael, Bikesh, Lovan, Laker, Sakol. And Bilam was different Medrashim, whether Bilam ben Ba'ar, Ba'ar was Lovan, Bilam was Lovan, it was a Gilgal Lovan, a great-grandson. But all least the same thing, this was carrying on the desires and traditions of what Lovan wanted to accomplish and this particular medrash that the Radak is quoting said that Bilam already started up and he tried to curse Klai Yisrael and destroy Klai Yisrael, and now Kushan is coming back to make trouble and succeeds. Take a look at the Lekid Chazal. He quotes from a Tosefta in the first uh, piece, two pieces down. Same Joshua, Loshan Rabim. So what makes it more complicated is that Yaakov to this Dafka, when he finally had it out with Lavan, and Lavan said, pretended, no, they're my children, they're my grandchildren, I want to make peace, and so Yaakov Avinu figured couldn't hurt, could try to make peace, and he made a whole treaty, and he built a uh, a whole pile to show that if anybody passes this pile of rocks and it's going to be a monument, we're not going to start up with each other. And Lavan signed it and built the monument and it meant nothing. And when Bilam crossed that area to curse Clay Israel, that's where the donkey smashed his leg into it because he was supposed to be reminded you're not supposed to be doing this. 
uh, didn't really work and he didn't get the message. So that's what it mentions over here from this Tosef. So same idea as what the Radak is quoting, and that is this is the second, at least the second time that he's doing such a a rishus, and that's why it's called rishasayim. So this fellow was a very bad guy, whoever he was. He was doing something that you would think he's in Chosler. It's what does he need? Yericha, what does he have to break in? He has his own country, a sovereign country. They're doing fine. What does he need this headache for? The answer is he was, he felt he was carrying on the Messiah of his parents and grandparents that you have to cause trouble to Clay Yisrael whenever you can. Uh, the, um, the fact is, Eglon, when we get to uh, Mayov, is also in Chutzlaretz. We're going to divide, we're going to have two types of enemies, the ones that are outside the boundary, and you would think, once you push back and get rid of them, at least it's safe. And they have the one sitting in Eretz Yisrael, besides the fact that they're dangerous because they're in your backyard, they're dangerous in Ruchnius because Lamaisa, you're going to start going to their parties. How do you end up doing Avodah The neighbor is smart. He doesn't invite you with the following invitation, hey, Chaim, you want to come do Avodah tomorrow morning or Sunday morning? You want to come to church? He's going to get turned down. So he says, we're having, it's Memorial Day weekend. We're having a barbecue. No, what could be wrong with the barbecue? And we have Hebrew National Hot Dog. Okay, that's not a great example. Uh, <laughs> we have near uh, and we're coming and uh, just don't, you know, just enable anything to do. It's a block party and we'll have a garage sale. Who can resist a good sale? This is what they did in the Midboro, so with the, with the women and uh, how Sheva Shimon got involved. And... Um, Nothing about religion over here, and just come eat and uh, drink a little bit, be merry at Memorial Day. Pretty parv. And of course, you have many people saying, ooh, it's uh, for Avon, for uh, friendly relations, the Chazal Haftakanas, to have friendly. We can hear the whole schmooze already, right? And then they're going to they're gonna pass a law, and it's going to be Dinamo Chusadina, which you have to keep unless it's anti religious. That's not a reference to anything going on, uh, in all seriousness. It doesn't mean they're out to get us Baruch Hashem in this country. By and, lo- by and large, they're not, we hope. Uh, there might be exceptions, but. Lamaisa, you can Memorial Day barbecue. You can't get um, glock kosher hot dogs, uh, buns that are yashan, I'm sure, and uh, pastisrol. They even offered the, the Johnsons next door from Canaan, offered you bake it, you come in, throw in the twig, do whatever, you know. It's all Kavaldic. Sounds familiar from Perm, no? There was a similar party in. Uh, so what they didn't tell them was is that the Goyim then were very religious and they never started any party as secular as it might be without bringing a sacrifice at 2 or 3. So they got there promptly at 9 o'clock not to miss any of the festivities uh, or the fireworks and um, they said, what's that? I said, ah, don't ignore that. That tripod over there, the thing, we're just throwing rocks. That just You don't have to join. You can watch if you want, but uh, you, know, you don't really have to join. That's how these things start. So... Uh, you know the famous uh, bad Jewish joke about the guy who was in the train and somebody came up to him and says, uh, Sir, uh, do you have the time? And the guy he was asking the time from was uh, Yid. And uh, he didn't answer the question. So he said, Sir, do you have the time? Man ignored him. He said, Sir, I see you have a wristwatch. Most people didn't have one then. This is uh, in Europe in 1903. So he said, Sir, I see a wristwatch. Can you give me the time? So he said, Look, I, I'm 
really wasn't answering you, as you noticed, because now you're asking me for the time, and I'm going to tell you it's uh, 10 o'clock, and then you're going to strike up a conversation, and uh, then you're going to try to get friendly, and then you're going to ask me if I have a daughter, and you have a son, and I don't want my uh, son marrying a Shekhet. Now, that's, why would there be such, all the old Jewish jokes have a lot of content. Why would there be such a joke like that? We have no problem giving people the time. The answer is, Baruch Hashem in America, we're not really scared that if we give them the time, they're going to strike up a conversation. We sh- don't have to be scared. Sometimes we should be a little more scared. There was a real threat. That was a time. A lot of people going off. And there was a real threat that this is just a way to get in with the neighbors. So it's a balance. You got to know where you are and you got to know what they want. And you got to be friendly. You talk, I have to do things with Tom Avon. You got to be friendly with the Goyim. And you, by and large, have to follow Dina Mechuzadina. In Eretz Canaan, and they have an ongoing tzivoy, hachrem tachrimam, and they're going to be a bad influence, and it's going to start with hot dogs and end up with a vodazara and end up with intermarriage, then you can't even give them the time of day. And you have to know what the tzivoy is and ask the sheif and adar what's the mahalach in each particular generation. But I'm just trying to defend, how do you fall into intermarriage and avodazara? They're just next-door neighbors. They're trying to have friendly relations, and even making them pay tax. They just didn't do the tzivoy Hashem, and Hashem is telling them how evil they are and how this is going to, by osmosis, get into your system if you don't take care of this very quickly. And unfortunately, some people didn't listen. So right now, Baruch Hashem, they did tshuva, and they're crying out to Hashem, and Asnil ben Kanaz is going to save them. Hashem's going to save them. He's going to send Kaviyachol. Uh, the shliach. Take a look at Pasuk Yud. Vatiyalav Ruach Hashem. Vayishpat Etz Yisrael Vayetzeid Lamochamam. Again, the Ruach Hashem is important. He did this with his Kayacha Ruchnius, and he also had a very unique defense in his Tfilah for Klai Yisrael. And we'll see what that is in a moment. Vayishpat Etz Yisrael Vayetzeid Lamochamam Vitin Hashem Biyadus Kushem Mishasayim Melech Aram. Vataz Yada Al Kushan Mishasayim. He goes out to battle. Kushan Mishasayim, again on paper, was much stronger. Haraya, no one was able to move for eight years. And he has a resounding victory. Vatishkadaritz Arbaim Shana, including the eight years, but that's a long time. Again, to show you the pattern we're going to have, Baruch Hashem, the oppression, the Averis and the oppression are going to be lasting a lot shorter than the times where it says Vatishkadaritz Arbaim Shana, Shmanim Shana, where they did Shuva, the Shuva stuck for a generation or two, and they were doing so perfect in their ruchnias that the Pasuk has nothing to say. And the Pasuk only highlights the problems that we can learn from them. So that means for the next... What? It was a double Russia, according to the Rabbi. Yes, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, that was right before he came in. It was double Russia, meaning what, what he had from Lavan and from uh, the fact that he was being over on the uh, Shvua. So here, even if you subtract the eight years, and the eight years... I would imagine during year five, six, seven, and eight, they were already starting to do tshuva. It wasn't one shacharis for Yitzchak Hashem and Hashem saved them. So that means for approximately 35 years or so, they were in tshuva mode and they did the right thing. Which, you do the numbers, the reason we introduced the beginning of Shaftim, that roy for the period of Shaftim. You would never know this if you just read the Pesukim quickly, which is dangerous to do in Navi, as we know by now. He would say, Klaisal is always doing the wrong thing. Every time he turned around, another parak, another pasig, doing a vodazara, an intermarriage, it was 80-20. 
which is not as good as 99 to 1 or 100 to 0, but most of the time they were in Chuva mode and doing the right thing. And that's why it says Tishkadar Zabam Shana. Take a look at Rashi. What was part of Asneel Ben Kanaz's defense? The main inertia that got this over the hump and fixed things up with the fact that Kleisel did Chuva and the fact that they had a Shaifid who was a Godlable Terrier and he took them to battle, but he also knew how to dive in and what to say and he took his cue, so to speak, from Moshe Rabbeinu. And you'll see in Rashi what I mean. But he, Allah, Ruach Hashem. Rashi says, Darish Rabbi Tanchuma, Nestaka Bamash Amakosh Baruch Alamosh Mitzrayim, Roy Risius Ani Ami. Remember, in Mitzrayim, they were, especially the last 80 years, really suffering. And they were Memte Shari Tuma, but they cried out. And this Loshan, Akosh Baruch, said, I'm going to answer them, Roy Risius Ani Ami. What's the double lotion? Mahem shtei riyas halolo amaloi reyanish asidim litas beigos. Akash Baruch Hu said, I'm going to take them out. This part Rashi doesn't mention, but the other Rashi there does, that they're going to have the schus later for Kabbalah Satari. That's coming up this week. Hashem also saw that they're going to have the eagle shortly afterwards. So it's almost Rachman Aslan a wash. So why should they be saved? What's the schus? So he basically made the argument that Akash Baruch Hu saw Mitzrayim that even though they're going to have a couple of they're going to have the eagle. So it was almost a wash. So why would they say to leave? The answer is maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But there was a promise to the others. And Clay Israel always had a lot of people doing the right thing. And therefore, even if Anadabi is doing the right thing, they need to be saved. And that cheshman got us out of Mitzrayim. Famous Zayar we uh, we spoke about where the Talmudim were afraid to ask of Shem Shaila, and he said, "Go ahead and ask." They asked permission to even ask this. And they said, "Why are we thanking Hashem Pesach and the rest of the year for getting out of Mitzrayim? Hashem promised that He would put us in and promised He would take us out. He's keeping His promise. So why do we have to give so much thanks?" And Shem Baichai said, "It's actually a very good question." And the answer is that they fell to such low levels of Mitzrayim Tuma that the promise was on a tzura of Klai Yisrael, and they almost didn't have the tzura, so therefore maybe the promise wasn't for this scenario. And Alpha Pekin, since they were going to go out and be makabalatari, despite the Chet Eagle afterwards, and we were going to make something very big out of it, so Kosh Baruch Hu kept his promise anyway, even though he wasn't really Meshubed. So that's really the background. Ben Zachen, Ben Chayav, and Olav Loshim. So basically, this is a page from the Schusim that we use in Sitzitz Rayim. We use by Meshav Ben the Midbar many times. Used by Yasnil Ben Kanaz, all the way down to Ablevi Yitzchak, who use these types of arguments all the time, and all the other leaders of each generation. You have to look to be Melamed Schusim Klai Yisrael. It's a very tricky balance. You have to sometimes give Musa to Klai Yisrael, and you got to know right from wrong. But that's when you're talking to them. If you're davening for Klai Yisrael, you've got to be Melam Mitzchus. Hashem knows the faults of the people. Hashem just wants to hear the Shusim. If you're talking to the people and you're in a position where you have to give Musa, then you give Musa. But you don't daven to HaKosh Baruch Hu like that. You daven to HaKosh Baruch Hu only showing the positive of Klai Yisrael, and this is what helped them in this matzav. That's a pretty important lesson. Pasig Yidbeis. Actually, uh, Yudalaf. Vatishkar Aretz Abam Shana. Vayamas Asnil ben Kanaz, the end of this Pasik, 40 years, and then Asnil ben Kanaz is Nifter at a very, very old age, Baruch Hashem, Beseva Taiva, with a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment, both in Ruchnius and in physically saving them over many, many, many decades. The Pasik doesn't mention it, but 
But the next shofet that's going to be mentioned already was a shofet the last year of his life, and he was officially the shofet then. He was probably uh, helping him out already as he was older, and Shamgar is going to be the next shofet. is only going to be shofet officially for a year because it was really the end of Asniel ben Kanaz's reign, so to speak. Pasig Yedbez. Ve'yasif ben Yisrael lost the Sarah. Be'ene Hashem, ve'yachazik Hashem es Eglon Melech Mayav. I don't like ending up with uh, bad news, but this is after 40 years. Again, it only took us three minutes to span this, but 40 years, a generation and a half, and the Musser and the crisis and the tshuva they had to do gets lost in time, and there's a little slipping. Chazik Hashem is Eglon Melech Yisrael al ki asu es hara Hashem. The army of Mayav apparently didn't feel so assured that they were going to win this alone, so they started bringing all the natural enemies of Klai Yisrael to come fight with them. And that is going to work, not because of the numbers game. That's the way they put out their strategies, because of what we weren't doing right. But on paper, he came with Amon and Amalek, Amalek was always happy to join. Pasigid Gimel, Vayes, if a love has been a Amon, Vamalek, Vayela, Vayaches, Yisrael, Vayeshu, Es, Ir, Hatamarim. So here we have just contrast with Kushan Rishasayim. I'm sure he had guards and soldiers posted in various places to be able to Meshab and Klai Yisrael. Here's the first mention that actually took over a very key city across the border on our side. Uh, not only is it a key city, but it's the first city we conquered. So it's very, very bad for morale. They took over Yericha. Shaila, why is it called the Yertamarim? Because Yericha wasn't rebuilt. So the suburb of Yericha called the Yertamarim. But they took over the area and apparently they stayed for a while and the while is going to be 18 years. And Klai Yisrael was so weak, not only did he charge taxes and make a menace of himself in terms of commanding the roads and disrupting traffic and commerce and taking things, he sat in this particular city and he stayed, which is, again, it's not just a question of one city, it's a question of the trophy city that we took. Nothing more famous than the conquest of Eretz Yisrael than Yerichai. And that particularly hurt and was a message to Klai Yisrael. Pasig Yedalid, Vayavdu B'nei Yisrael, Es Eglon Melach Moyev, Shemana Es Reishana, and this lasted for 18 years. Notice how we increase from 8 to 18. And we'll end with good news. V'yizakub b'nei Yisrael el Hashem toward the end of the 18 years. V'yakum Hashem l'am Hashia es Eud ben Ger ben Hayamini. Ish iter yad yaminoi. V'yishchub b'nei Yisrael b'yad amincha le'eglam melech ma'ev. And he sets into place a plan which is very fascinating and unusual. Let's just see the Rashi and Tezvav on the issue of being a lefty. So as we... Mentioned lefties today are not very rare. They also worshipped for 18 years, right? Eight. 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 That was already, that was already a big, uh, big increase. So, eight. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying, but the, the Pusik says, eight, no? We'll, have to, we'll take a look at that later. So, here we have a situation where we have an unusual 
person who is not only left-handed, which in those days is very unusual because anybody who looked like they might be left-handed was sort of changed at infancy and childhood. That minig stayed for a couple thousand years till around 60 years ago. You might still remember you? Less than 60, still today. You Really? You were almost a lefty? And did you become a righty? I didn't become a righty. Uh, and afterwards, you floated back to your uh, to, to your lefty kite. Uh, okay, so 25 years ago. Well, maybe it's still going on in some places. And that's not a tie on your grandparents or your parents, because that was the minute you see that Ahab Ben-Geru was the most famous lefty in Tanakh and one of the only ones. And even this is a story behind it. He wasn't a, um, he wasn't a lefty because they couldn't convince him with all the prizes to switch. Look in Rashi. Rashi gives a very interesting. That could have been if you wouldn't. We wouldn't have Rashi. That could have been the story. You take a look at Rashi in Tezvav. Itar yad yemina. Tergem yenisen gavra gemid yad yemine. Kol gemid lashon arami udavar kavutz machmas chaylu, which means he had a sickness leilenu in his right hand and it shriveled up. It was paralyzed. He became a lefty because he had no use of his right hand. That's how rare it was. Rashi's explaining, Chazal explaining, no, no, he didn't make himself a lefty, and if he was born a lefty, which we would think is natural, that would have been changed. So what happened was that he didn't have use of his right hand. That could have happened when he was 20. Which means it's closed up, it stopped up, the, there was no energy in it. David Amalekh and his tefillahs to Hashem, he felt he was in a matzav, and he begged Hashem, don't, I feel like I'm in the bar, don't close up the bar on top of me. That's that context of the Pesach and Tehillim. If, if it was so, uh, if so obvious that his hand was shriveled up, why, why weren't they checking his other side? So it's interesting. When you wear a nice jacket, uh, you can't see a thing. If you walk in, shriveled up means that it was not used. I don't, paralyzed. I don't know if he's shriveled up. He had no hand. If he had no hand and was missing from his sleeve, you're right. That would be a, that would be a good kasha. Uh, but, uh, they, you're on my deck? Uh, I'm on my deck. Oh, okay. It looks like mine. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> Like a nice sunny day. So, yes, yeah, so it doesn't mean the hand was missing. And as you're mentioning, um, I'll, uh, since the other people might be curious, part of his plot is going to be uh, how do you figure out a way to get past the guards and the checkpoint to come in with a small dagger to assassinate the emperor? And it was very difficult. This is even without metal detectors. And what they used to do is a lot of people came in at one time and they used to quickly check because everybody was a righty, they used to quickly check his left sides. They would open up his, uh, his kapata, or his uh, jacket, and they would check the left side. Because if you're a righty, whenever you draw a sword, you have to draw it quickly from the left side. Uh, they never even imagined there was anybody who was a lefty, because it was considered strange, odd, and certainly wouldn't be a capable fighter. And Ben, as you pointed out, uh, Lamaisa, they saw a hand coming out of the jacket. Uh, whether it was moving or not, they didn't do any uh, tests, and therefore they didn't assume. You still need an ace because they could have assumed you want to be thorough, then you could be thorough. They're going to be far less than thorough when we see the plot continue. Uh, they're going to be so asleep at the wheel that it's uh, Taka, uh, very obvious in hindsight that it was an ace, but. We're introduced to Ehud. Ehud, 
was a tzaddik, uh, was a sheifet, was a tamachacham. He's going to be described over here when he makes his sword, a cher pps. The average sword had a smooth side, relatively smooth, and a sharp side because when you wield it, you want to use the sharp side for the enemy. You don't want it bouncing back on you. And a very, very competent and expert and agile fighter will sometimes have a higher PPS because he's not afraid of it rebounding, and that way he'll be able to kill a number of people one time. Most people didn't go to war like that. Uh, he made himself his own small little handy one on both sides because he wanted it to penetrate, and the fellow he was dealing with was a very big guy, and I don't mean an Adam Godel. And he's going to have to use it to penetrate. But Chazal Daishin, Cher Pipias, isn't just describing the dagger, it's describing the schusim he had in Torah, that Pipias is two schusim, it's Schar Ba'alamazeh and Ba'alamabah. So again, like Asniel, he comes with the Kayach HaTorah and schusim, or else he wouldn't be chosen as the Shefet. So that is going to be from the coming attractions. Uh, let's see a little bit of the Pelagayets, since we started late. I still want to get uh, 45 minutes in, so if you're with me and you're not running to carpool, whether fortunately or unfortunately, uh, let's go to the Peleyayets. And the Peleyayets is on page 2, which is in the entry of Shalom. We're in the bottom paragraph. And we're talking about not only making Shalom, but running after Shalom and trying to get other people who are in the Machlokes to figure a way out and Last paragraph we saw, he said, if you're considered chashuv or you have influence on them, it's a chayv kaddish to try to make it happen. And he says that is more of a chayv on people who have more influence, and it's no time to get humble. The bottom paragraph, Kama Ramya, on page two of the copy, Kama Ramya, Chachamim, Lahaktim Shalom Lachaladam. A person who is considered chashuv, is not only a question of making shalom people in a dispute, it's a question of giving people a lift. You meet people, you have a chance to say hello, you mock them shalom, and you can brighten their day. Frat la'aniyim umlolam. Certainly people who feel down and out, whether it's aniyim in poverty financially, or aniyim in machshava. They uh, have high self-esteem, and they uh, feel nobody really wants to pay attention to them. So, the idea over here is to make somebody happy. It's free. You smile. You say hello. And there shouldn't be any shad that if you don't say hello, you don't give them the time of day, they're going to think, what about a guy just because he has money, just because he's a tamachachim, just because he's a leader, just because he's a macher. And that itself will cause machlekes if it's not done properly. Sometimes a person will try to strike up the conversation. will say it very softly, hoping to get an answer. He's not trying to be mean. He's just involved in something else, or he's thinking, and he's tarid, and he doesn't notice it. But that's what the Peliad is saying. You have to notice other people, and you have to look for the opportunity to give them that lift. She doesn't give him a warm hello. And then it's going to start a cycle of Lashon Hara and Chashad and not being down the Kaschus and Tainas and Sinna and Kinna. The downside of trying to be proactive and being Maktim Shalom is zero. That's the mission of us. Rabbi Yechem Ezaka is Maktim Shalom Lachadam, as we saw last week. 
Ve'yidra shalom kaladam befrat la'ani ve'evian yermela ech shleimcha ma'ata isa taiv taiv is everything okay? La mitzvah rabbit hechashev and it takes ten seconds. You got to be careful though. Uh, most people, if they're even trying to do this, which is a mile already, or often doing it out of rote and they're on to the next sentence, they expect the guy to say Baruch Hashem. And you don't want to be stuck in a situation where you say, Oh, Chaim, how you doing? Is everything okay? And he starts answering, No, it's actually horrible and gives you a whole long litany of things. And you went on already to the next sentence and started, it turned around and went back to what you were doing. Assuming he said Baruch Hashem and you were Yetzi. So it has to be with enough of an ear to actually listen. This Yakure Miss Yakabe, and they're going to get covered from being noticed. Next page. And again, my name could be financially, it could be Ania Badas, but Davish Ambach is our kiss, Rak Devaris for Siam. And it doesn't cost any money, it takes a little focus and a drop of time. And often it comes from Gaiva or not realizing the godless of what you could do. And then he says, you have to keep in mind this doesn't apply in every situation. At least it used to be like that. There was some gap that Katanam, as in young children, would know their place not to run over to somebody and expect that they should be given the big hello. What's wrong with that? So he explains. It's always the balance between commanding some covet and yira versus being friendly. And both have to be done depending on who you're dealing with and the position. Otherwise, you can erase in Chumash, Yiris of Aim, and Yiris Tamil Chachamim, and Yir of Alida. They can't get anything done. So there has to be some gap. And certainly, if it's not considered appropriate, and every generation has to figure out where the balance is. Obviously, in our generation, we're being much more on the overtly friendly side, but you can't erase the yira. If there's no yira whatsoever, then there's not going to be any ability to give over the Messiah, whether as a parent or as a Rebbe. So there has to be still some gap. And that's the Dover Uh I had this conversation with many uh, parents and Mechanchim, and Mechanchim rightfully so say we're lowering uh, ourselves enough and ignoring the COVID issue to be as friendly, palsy-walsy as we say, but if there's no gap whatsoever, and he's literally one of the guys in 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade, it's not going to work either. So there has to be some element of Yira there, and with parents as well, even though we're putting it down to its minimum in this generation, and necessarily so, but there still has to be some vestige of it. And it has to be this is hard, because we just said, say hello to everybody, what if you have a tiny in the middle of a machlekes? So Should you say hello not to create more machlekes, or is that a lack of it depends on the scenario and what you're going to accomplish or not accomplish. He's mentioning that you should try to have which means if it's a taina, then the next Pusik says, instead of bearing a grudge, bring it up and take care of it. 
that he looks like he's all smiling and friendly and is really preparing an ambush. That they went on but at least they wanted to be real. Means they didn't want to say anything a cheery good morning because they felt that would be das. Kim Shasana was Yasef, they had tainas, real or imagined, most of it was imagined. Unless he's a Russia and they have a right to hate him, which is rare. Unless he's a dangerous person and you have to do it for, for fear of um, something bad happening. But the Torah wants you to do is be pivotal, but try to look for an opportunity to take care of it to clear the air. And another caveat is also, but when you're getting people together, if they're a and causing damage, it would be better if they were separate. So you have to be careful. Are they from those who when they're not together, they're less dangerous? And then you shouldn't try to make shalom between them, which we hope is most people. Uh, so that has to be considered as well. The next entry based on this is Sinah, Mitzvah Shem. We'll see that after Shavuos. And we'll have Shir Mitzvah Shem tomorrow night at 10 to 9, continuing with uh, the health issues. Have a good day. And Memorial Day, make sure the guy doesn't have any tripod if he's inviting you to his uh, barbecue. Hatzlacha.